Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Austin Found. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. It's weird when we talk about things that still exist. You don't always get to do that on this show. No, it's all mostly history, the past. Yeah, way past and then, you know, fairly recent. And so I, I love how... You know, actually, this and our next episode, too, are things that we're kind of telling some history of how it got there, but they're things that are still part of our life today in our, in our rapidly changing city. Absolutely. <laughs> today, we want to tell you about the Stephen L. Clark Gallery. That's right. Uh, they've been dealing in uh, really high-quality photography for about 28 years. They also deal with some paintings and books and sculpture. But what makes such an part is the people that gather at the gallery. Some of the most interesting characters in town or even in this part of the country hang out at Stephen O. Clark's events. The reason you wrote about it, because it's been around so long. Yeah, right? galleries don't usually last that long. Yeah, uh, it's a tough it, business. It is a tough business, and especially with rising property values. And so... For him to have this kind of very focused business for so long it has been amazing and really interesting intellectuals and storytellers and so forth uh, hang out there. Now, there's a connection to a couple of things I want you to explain. One is the University of Texas. The other is Waterloo Ice House. Which would you like to start with? Let's first? start with Waterloo Ice House. It was a... You remember them. This this was a chain of casual restaurants and bars that would have uh, live music, I, I believe, at every one. And the original one was right next to Waterloo Records. Six and Lamar. Six and Lamar. Yeah, we would go there all the time, and they would they would uh, make the pancakes look like a mouse for my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. And then she'd play vintage video games there. <laughs> it was well, a great experience. It's a fun place. And, and like the other places there at West 6th and, and North Lamar, it, it had a very strong Austin character and left an imprint on the city. And Clark started Waterloo Ice House in 1976, I believe. And he expanded it around the city, but by the 1990s, he was burned out and decided to go open a gallery. Okay. And uh, what's the connection with the University of Texas? Well, a lot of the interest in photography in this period, he arrived at UT in 1959. So he was there when some really, really influential 
professors were there, including Russell Lee, who was famous for his Depression-era photography. He was hired by the federal government to go around and and photograph impoverished people in in Texas. What a job. Well, he was able to give all of these pictures a a dignity and Mm -hmm. a a kind of lyricism that um, made them into art as well as photography. And then he went on to found the photography program in the art department at the University of Texas. And so he was the godfather of photography in town. In fact, he's the namesake for Lee Elementary. Although it wasn't the original Lee, (laughs) because it was Robert E. Lee, Mm. the Confederate general that Mm -hmm. the the school in Harris Park was named after, after many years of debate, they changed the the name of the school as, as so many entities are regarding Confederate figures. And uh, luckily, there was another Lee <laughs> oh. that they could name it after. And Russell a, Lee is the namesake now for what an interesting Lee story. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Named after a photographer. Right. You don't hear that very often. And so tying this all together, like the Waterloo Ice House was a hangout for photographers. That's right. He got to know a lot of them. And some of them, like Keith Carter, who is from Southeast Texas, but he really has given uh, Texas photography its own language. And his, too, is quite lyrical, black and white, often rural scenes, but doesn't uh, romanticize. Uh, He's got a very clear eye. So Keith Carter became part of Stephen L. Clark's group and then the Kate Brakey, who I did a story on her like many decades ago. I just fell in love with her stuff. She... She takes photographs of, like, dead birds, and then she paints over the prints the colors that they would have, but really strikingly vivid colors. And now saying it coming out of my mouth, it sounds kind of odd and Mm -hmm. grim, but they're just fabulously beautiful. This is a little of a diversion here, but it... I, I grew up as a big fan of photography and took courses in college to one to learn, but then to have access to a dark room, right. which was gold, right? And everyone thinks they're a photographer now because you've got a very powerful phone in your pocket, you do. right? You do. Which is good and bad. But a, a really true photographer's eye is still a thing of beauty. It is. One of the uh, photographers that he worked closely with who recently died was Bill Whitliff. Now, Bill's name has come up on this show many times because he was the screenwriter for the Lonesome Dove miniseries. He wrote many screenplays, and he, late in his life, wrote some fabulous uh, novels, uh, the Devil's Backbone series, and he was a total character. He made his way through uh, UT by playing poker in good old (laughs) Wooten Dorm, and one of the people who played poker with him was Charles Whitman, who oh. went up in the tower and shot people. Yeah. And there was some discussion from that their uh, room in Goodall Wooten that they could look out and see the tower and say, well, someone could do something from up there. Oh, my gosh. I'm not that, kidding. That's the dorm on the drag. It is. It's empty now. Interestingly, I'm doing research on it because I pass huh. by it on my morning walks. 
and saw, oh, yeah, it's been empty for three years. So. I didn't realize that because I'd always go to that barbershop there. I'd the barbershop's love- still there. Okay. But the apartments upstairs, the dorm rooms are empty. And it looks ghoulish. Mm-hmm. But then I started doing research on all of the things that happened there in the past. And some of them, there were just hijinks, like, which could have turned tragic, like a guy that would jump from his balcony over to a lamppost. Oh, geez. I know. Imagine what could have happened. College stuff. College stuff. Lots of things like that. And some of it was really criminal. And the outlaw gang in Austin during the uh, the Overton gang during the 1960s would go there and, and spook people. And their one couple of guys turned their dorm room into a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way off subject here, but but yeah, good old Wooten is a subject for a, a whole nother episode. Well, if you think, of, was that an all-male dorm? It was. How time. many people went through there Absolutely. who would love to read the story? It, it opened in 1956. It was considered super fancy, super modern. Huh. It's named after a philanthropic doctor, medical doctor, who owned that big mansion up on MLK where Hotel Ella is now. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. You're getting a little bonus uh, episode you here. You are. <laughs> a sub-episode. <laughs> Let's get back to the Stephen L. Clark Gallery, and we'll talk about the location at the end because mm-hmm. that could sort of derail things, and there's right. a, a, an interesting story behind that. What else is unique about this gallery? Like, you mentioned books. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't think of art galleries as having books. What else is unique about Well, the books are generally books of photography, and Stephen L. Clark believes that books are essential to establishing someone's credibility and career, and so he's very careful that and museum shows and the museum shows often took place down at the Whitliff collections which Bill and his wife Sally established down at Texas State in San Marcos and if you don't know in the top floor of the big modernist library down there is the Whitliff collections and he actually raised the money to start the Whitliff collections by selling his photography mm. at, at Stephen O. Clark's gallery. But it's the Southwestern writers, and it's also photography, and it's now it's also music. You should go. It's, it, it is an amazing place. Now, I know it seems odd to talk about where it's located at the end of the story, but that's kind of got its own twist here because you could easily drive by that building if you're not paying attention, you know, like the rest of us just boogieing home, going to get on Mopac, kind of across from Zeteos. Right. You could blow by cool-looking building, really cool-looking building. If you pay attention, yeah. But it's not there right now, no. which I just found out right. today. Today, <laughs> right before we Yeah, yeah. What's going recording? on? And there, by the way, there's a big hole in the ground as, as we're discussing this in October of 2021. An office building is going behind, there. Behind yeah. it, yes. The original building, it was a two-story kind of Victorian building that was built in, in 1867. O. Henry lived there, the, the short story writer. It has a really neat vibes. And Bill Whitliff's uh, writing studio was upstairs, and uh, Stephen L. Clark's gallery was downstairs. I always enjoyed going there. But in the spring of this year, and you know Bill died recently, the they were going to do some some reconstruction on that 1867 building, and they found structural problems. Mm. So the Whitliff family said, adios. 
to the gallery. Floor. Yeah, okay. because he, he had to move in order for Temporarily? Them. I think permanently. And where he moved, interesting, he looked for a spot all over town. He moved next door ah. to a, a cottage that is also owned by the Whitliff family hmm. and is lovely. And I spent time there and listened to his story. He's a fantastic storyteller. And for him, it all it seems to fall in place at the right time. You know, he, he has some kind of knack for landing well. And it sounds like well-connected. That, that tends to work in people's favors, right? All those That's friends right. you make over the years. So with the structural repairs, is, is the, the building going to survive? Yes. Because we, we've got enough glass going on right. in downtown no, it's, Austin. It's, it is something that needs to be preserved, and it will be preserved. Okay. Okay. So you can find it just – it literally is if you're, if you're heading west from Lamar, it'll be on your left just a yeah, few it's, buildings it's, down. There's now a light there, I believe, a, a traffic light. It's Baylor Street mm-hmm. is the corner. And the new gallery is on Baylor Street, just one property to the south. Not far from Treaty Oak, which we've talked about. So you could visit two episode locations at once. I did the last time I was there. I went and walked around Treaty Oak, and it's doing pretty well. It looks kind of weird because they they don't trim it. So it a lot of the, the, the branches come all the way to the ground. Does it need some love? Or is that part of the... I don't know. I mean, I know that you're not supposed to take any uh, little samples from it mm-hmm. and to go start your own right. treaty oak. I never even thought of that until you said Well, they did, <laughs> they did a lot of that kind of thing with the part that was poisoned. People turned them into other things or took saplings to, to plant. Mm. And, uh, but it survived the, the great poisoning and is uh, doing well. You can find that in a previous episode of Austin Found, and you can find that story in Volume 3 of Indelible Austin. If you'd like to write to us, ask a question, make a comment, uh, you can do that at mbarnes at statesman.com or jhager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com. Thanks for tuning in to Austin Found. Happy trails. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.